The 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, home to all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Visit dundeal.ie today to start the search for your next car. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> Robbie Robbie Weekly. Hello everybody and welcome to Friday's Rugby Weekly with the 42.ie. Gavin Casey with you here. We are going to look ahead to a massive weekend for Ireland against Tonga. Look back as well at France's victory in the end over Uruguay. Murray Kinsella joins us from Nantes. How are you, Murray? I'm good. I enjoyed watching the match last night with a big crowd in the middle of Nantes. Probably expected something different, as did they. <laughs> they weren't too impressed by large parts of it. But lovely city here. Nice to be on the move again. Really kind of, I don't know how to describe it, kind of arty city. Lots of different like installations around the place. And also there's a little island and you walk over there. I, I actually ran over there yesterday to get a bit of exercise. And I came around the corner and there was a giant mechanical elephant which I didn't expect. I hadn't heard about it. And it was kind of surreal seeing it. It's like something out of the Lord of the Rings, you know, that final battle where they charge those big elephants. Genuinely, it's about that size and people are actually standing up on it on, on platforms around it. So that was a bit of a weird experience, but otherwise all good. And like the amount of green jerseys last night and today, again, off the charts, it's just unbelievable to see. When you say that it wasn't the kind of game that you expected and maybe the kind of game that French fans expected, were they similarly angsty where you were to how they seem to be actually in the stadium even some of those moments where France would point towards towards the post would elicit booze from a try hungry crowd similar vibes where you were yeah really nervy and it wasn't nervy performance wasn't it you kind of saw the pressure being the home side you also saw the pressure that comes with rotating your squad heavily and as we're going to discuss Ireland didn't do that but it can really put you into a corner almost Uruguay were I thought outstanding. I absolutely loved the celebration after the first try. <laughs> Let me hear you kind of celebration. And the Uruguayans were skillful and not just plucky, not just underdog, physicality, all that kind of stuff that usually comes with it, but they were skillful as well. And they and they pushed, pushed France. So it was a very kind of nervy atmosphere around Nantes. I can only imagine the stadium. It was exactly the same. And yeah, it was interesting just to see that. Uh, weight of being the host and having that expectation and I thought this was going to be a breeze in the park I thought it was the perfect game for them to have now give everyone in the squad a game and 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 kind of keep your momentum going but it it's actually a little bit of a hiccup really they came through it of course and and they get the win but it did underline to me and we were talking about this watching it why Andy Farrell probably isn't taking that risk of rotating which which it is we saw in the Samoa game we saw Ireland not performing that well. We know he wasn't happy with that performance. And and he said as much, in fact, and, and he didn't like the way players had handled that different atmosphere around it. So he's gone full bore. And, and France, I would imagine, for the next game, probably do something similar. I'm putting on the back foot here, off the bat, but we had a question from one of our listeners in the subscribers WhatsApp group, Chris Clark. He says, everyone loves Tier 2 nations in the Rugby World Cup. Given the new global friendly, not a friendly tournament, what can and what should tier one sides do to help the Namibias and Uruguays of the rugby world? Could we do more emerging Ireland tours or maybe have emerging Ireland play Uruguay at Donnybrook on a Friday night in November before a a test on a Saturday night? 
what are your thoughts there? Because like it's a conversation we'll probably have in more depth as the tournament progresses. But off the top of your head, it feels as though still, when you see the joy that the Uruguays of the world can bring to a competition like this, they should be more embraced during the cycle and not only when the tournament begins. And that's it. It's just exposure. I totally agree with you. The joy of discovering players that you didn't know all that well that might go on to bigger things now and and that was the case with even Uruguay in the last World Cup where you think these guys are really good players and, and have loads of potential and it's just exposure we've spoken about our frustrations around this so many times like Japan or Fiji get them in the rugby championship it, it, it's just a no-brainer Georgia and, and I know it's complex I'm making it sound really easy but include them let them play the the top level tests that they want. And I actually think it's a great suggestion around the, the tours and and using maybe Emerging Ireland or Ireland A to, to get more international rugby and give those nations a chance to, to show that they've closed the gap, which we hoped they had and which this game probably showed they, they have. And listen, there may be blowouts in different stages. Romania clearly not up to, to Ireland's level anyway. But the more we see of these teams, the better. It's it's kind of just boring seeing the same tests over and over again. Yeah, the rivalries are great. We love the Six Nations. We love the um, the history of certain fixtures. But I think the fun of new fixtures like this one is equally as valid and, and important for the sport. And just to show that it's not just a closed shop as as well. And that's the the sense from the Tier 2 Nations that it's a, it's a closed door. We're not going to get a look in. But I would hope that behind the scenes those traditional powers and we know they they don't but i would hope they change their viewpoint and stop being so protective of, of what they have and and open up because the more nations who are good at rugby the better they're, they're going to make money in the longer term that way and that's often how they make decisions so yeah i'd hope to see a few more results like this one like fiji nearly beating wales and hopefully they'll get some big results over the course of the pool and and that door will just they'll, they'll push it open I know it was a condensed version of the Rugby Championship before the World Cup this time around, but can you imagine what Fiji might have done in that competition, given South Africa would have been experimenting, given that Australia are still at a very formative stage of their journey under Eddie Jones, and given that New Zealand are good, but we're not quite sure how good they are, like Fiji would have been live dogs in there. The complexion of Fiji as a rugby nation changes if they come even second in a rugby championship. They instantly become like a bona fide tier one, almost guaranteed world cup quarter finalists i think at the backs of people's minds rather than the plucky underdogs like it just takes one little door to open i guess yeah they could have they could have won it this summer they were really good all summer and it's also brilliant that you know i was lucky enough to go to fiji one time when i was traveling and i just saw the scale of love for rugby there and it was astounding i don't think i've ever come across a, a nation who loves rugby as much obviously new zealand it's number one but this was on another level, even to New Zealand. So they want to they wanna be part of it as much as possible. They need as many games as possible against the best sides to, to be consistently at their level. So hopefully that's a, a bit of a legacy of, of the World Cup. We know that Nations Championship in 2026 is, they've only got room for two more and that's a real shame. But And it's going to take a while to get that uh, relegation promotion in there. But once that happens, I think we're going to see hopefully the game just exploding a little bit. Friday's Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, home to all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Visit dundeal.ie today to start the search for your next car. We'll get into the Ireland team in a moment. Murray, bit of an odd atmosphere 
during press duties yesterday, mind you, wasn't it? It was. It was a strange, strange presser, and we all found it kind of hard to digest or analyze afterwards because there was this strange atmosphere around the Mac Hansen thing, which has been such a weird episode, I have to say. He he obviously wasn't picked in the 23 for the first game. And I, I initially thought, oh, maybe he's injured. I asked Andy Farrell actually at the press conference straight after, before that Romania game. He said no. And then his next answer just happened to be, I asked him about the young lad in the squad and happened to be around the the trip to Biarritz and his his displeasure probably with how they they handled that game. And his, you know, he said we were on the beach and be a rich. Some guys handle it well, all the, the glitz and glam. I'm paraphrasing here. And some guys didn't. And I think maybe people put two and two together in, in some instances. It turns out he was just not happy with the performance. But I can I can see where the confusion came from, to be honest, the, the way it was phrased. And um, it would have just cleared things up if we knew that right at start. Because he came out after the performance in Samoa against Samoa and he said he was delighted, which again, was quite jarring at the time. You're thinking, is he, he doesn't actually think that, does he? It wasn't a good performance. So yeah, there was a lot of confusion around it and it kind of became this thing that Mac Hansen had had a disciplinary issue and it, it wasn't the case. So I can understand how this happened, the kind of confusion, but yeah, a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? It was weird. And I'm not asking you to point any fingers. I'm just curious, like, did we report it that way? It, it did feel as though it was widely suggested and it sort of took on it grew legs right on social media and otherwise maybe stemming from one or two reports actually wasn't at the press conference where it was brought up i was in paris it was the opening night of the, the world cup and my cat was asked about it and, and in fairness like someone's entitled to ask was there a disciplinary issue if there were, you know if you have any doubt just ask it and he said no and and it moved on but once it's asked it's kind of it becomes yeah. a thing and as far as i understand mac hansen even him the most laid back fella in the world was kind of thinking what is going on here his friends etc were texting going what did you do Mac and that's a bit of a weird one for him and yesterday while it was weird it also underlined to us how tight-knit they are Andy Farrell I'm sure people like a lot of people listening to this have seen the press conference footage I thought at the very start when he addressed this he actually was quite you know he's frustrated by it what, where the hell did that come from? It was quite a strong opening statement. And he, as he does, he, he bounced himself out and he was quite measured in the, the follow-up. But he did kind of challenge the, the journalist who asked him to, he said, go ask Mac. And, and then when Mac was asked, I don't think him, Peter Manny knew that he was going to be asked because Peter Manny stepped in, he interjected quite forcefully and said, you know, Andy's addressed this and he clearly was not impressed with the, just the, the kind of questioning and the, and the subject matter. So, it showed us how kind of they have each other's backs a lot. And it was funny because Mac Hansen, once the question was asked to him, he drew a deep breath. I, I would love to know what he was going to say. But then once Peter Manny stepped in, he felt, I guess he felt like I can't really go there. Uh, and he made a joke. He said, yeah, we had a we had a tiff and, and we've made up, which was 100% a joke. <laughs> and so I guess it's blown over now. And he's going to start his first, his first World Cup start this weekend. And he was good off the bench last weekend. I thought some would work great just off the charts again he's such a good rugby player and he's such a he's such a funny man Peter Manny kind of paid tribute to him in that regard and said we need characters like this we saw him all in his boxers strolling around the place Andy Farrell thought it was hilarious last week and yeah he adds brilliance on the on the wing but also just a bit of je ne sais quoi to the squad I think Peter Romani saw Mac Hansen draw the same breath as everybody else and thought no no <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> like escorting a kick chase you know and i'm gonna get in front of this 
Um, we had a couple of questions along those lines, actually, Kayla and Scully. How scared was Murray when Andy and Pete got narky in the press there? And then Colin, if we have a poll and it's overwhelmingly in favour, can you make Murray ask Faz about the Mac Hansen discipline thing again? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll try to ask after the No, jeez, I'm not going there. Sorry, lads. That would be hilarious, though. Uh, yeah. I think they would see the funny side of it. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it'll become, maybe it'll be, I, I can only guess in a group like that, you, you make it a running joke, don't you? You, you slag Mac Hansen relentlessly for it. But was I scared? No, I, I wasn't on the receiving end of it. But actually, I was thinking about this yesterday. We're, we're seeing more of Andy Farrell in press conferences, not just in, in relation to this. He comes in now and he always makes jokes. He always gets everyone kind of settled in. When Johnny's asked maybe a kind of tricky question, he'll, diffuse it with a, a joke and I'll give Sexton another few seconds to think about his answer and you kind of start to see that really personable side of him he's very confident now in the in the media setting which he I don't think he really was at the start or he didn't really get his messages across perfectly but yeah he's definitely enjoying it more now and fair like fair play if they want to challenge stuff that's absolutely bang on like the media we piss them off a lot and and sometimes they just don't say a thing, but I think the the questioning or the challenging is good. It is. I, I do think with this situation specifically, a lot of people who consume Irish rugby media are pissed off that the media have virtually invented this story, right? I would say that the media following up with questions about this is not trying to stir the pot the way some people perceive it. It's just looking for clarification so that you can put it to bed. People have this perception of journalists, and of course it applies to some journalists that they're trying to create a story from nothing to generate clicks and all of this kind of stuff. Like, individual journalists don't really give that much of a shit about how many clicks are on an article. They're just trying to get through their day like everybody else and everybody else's jobs. And I think when it's a national team like this, it's just looking almost to put the thing to bed, no matter who created it or where it emanated from. But that gets misconstrued in how it's consumed then on Twitter, where you're seeing quotes about it without necessarily seeing the exchange if that makes sense yeah it's a tricky line because like i've you have as well gav i've heard mad things about players at times that completely aren't true and if i'd asked that say in a press conference that's going to be put on youtube and we're going to have articles about it then it does become a, a, a thing so it's hard to know that that line at, at times and i'm I, obviously it wasn't nice for mac hansen to be getting messages from his family friends going what's going on but I'm thankful it was him as well because I think one of the other lads in that squad would have been unbelievably stressed by this and really it would have lingered with them. It might have disrupted their their rhythm a bit. Whereas it's like water off a duck's back with it, with him. He's he's unbelievably laid back and he's ready to move on now. Yeah, and he was a bit of a victim of his own bubbly outgoing sort of personality in that situation as well because nobody suggested that Jimmy O'Brien or Stuart McCluskey had been acting the bollocks on a beach in Biarritz <laughs> and uh, I asked him yesterday just about like people coming up from Australia because it, obviously his story is unbelievable and, and he said loads of his friends are up and they're sending him snapchats at you know midnight or 1am of them drinking beers and smoking vapes and he definitely sounded quite jealous of them <laughs> so I can only imagine if Ireland go and win the World Cup what Mac Hansen is going to do for the, the weeks after that Looking at the team then, Murray, you got your wish in a sense. You suggested on the subscribers pod earlier this week that you believed Ireland should go full strength. You also wrote about it on the 42 and they have done just that. 
what was the sense over there, even among your colleagues, of Andy Farrell's decision to go full hog against the Tongans? Very mixed, and and even I have mixed feelings about it. Like there's risk involved in both ways he could have gone. The risk of injury, obviously, and I think it'll be if someone gets injured. Let's just say. Like touch wood, obviously no one gets injured, but let's say Johnny Sexton did pick up an injury. It'll be the first time in a long time that Andy Farrell will have been criticized because I've absolutely no doubt, we're talking about media, I've absolutely no doubt there'll be columns about that. What was he thinking? Why did he expose Johnny Sexton or whoever it is? And he'll be, yeah, he'll be dragged across the, the coals f- for that. But as we discussed, the risk of not having your team in rhythm and ready for South Africa is, is also there. And increasingly the, the more i thought about it i, I underestimated in the build up to, to the world cup i i didn't spend enough time thinking about how this break week would would change things and particularly with ireland's schedule and the the run of fixtures there's johnny sexton's ban there was the samoa game all this stuff went into the melting pot of, of making the decision around this team i think and as far as quite a few of us have got a sense th- this wasn't actually the, the longer term plan they probably would have rotated in, in these first two games, but given the circumstances, and and this is this is what Ireland do now, they kind of roll with the punches. Okay, Johnny Sexton cannot play the, the the warm-up games. Let's just go hard from the start of the World Cup, get him in there, get that timing back, get that cohesion back, and and get winning games. Win now, win tomorrow, win the quarterfinal, win the semi-final, win the final. That's how they kind of operate. And I I like it. I, I do feel I have sympathy for, say, Jimmy O'Brien and Stuart McCluskey who aren't playing. Maybe they'll feature in the South Africa game or maybe injuries will mean they're, they're involved. But also these, this team who's starting against Tonga, they've earned those jerseys and they want to play this game. They do not want to be rested. So it makes sense to me for, for quite a few reasons while I completely acknowledge the argument that you need to use your squad and your you know guys playing potentially seven games in in a world cup is, is a lot but this is the way farrell goes he doesn't worry he doesn't spend, he actually doesn't spend any time worrying about injuries he he thinks that's not in my control let's just let's just play if someone gets injured i'll plug the next guy in and he's going to be ready so they put a lot of stores well in how they train and and you're thinking oh what if ross Byrne went into a quarterfinal and, and he hadn't played or jack crowley whoever they picked but actually they've been training at a extremely high level as well there's that backup uh, to to have faith in as well we had a good natter about this with owen tulin on wednesday's subscriber pod and we have subscribers pods every monday and wednesday during the tournament plus post-match after ireland games murray are going to let you go for the moment we will catch you again tomorrow night thanks Gav. really enjoy the chat uh, and looking forward to yeah things stepping up a bit tonga's team as well there's some serious firepower in it isn't there i hope they do fire a few shots. I hope they make Ireland uncomfortable at, at times, but at the same time, you want to see that slick Irish performance that we've kind of been waiting for for a fair few months now. The 42.e forward slash extra to join us for all of those additional podcasts and to become a subscriber of the 42. Catch all of you subscribers tomorrow and catch the rest of you this time next week. Mind yourselves in the meantime. Take care. The boys in the better land. Driver's got names for a few double barrels. He spits out, breaks out, only smokes carols.